This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Amial Saleh and Hani Balkis. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. I hope you're all having a fantastic afternoon. It is tip- basically the weekend now because we have a very long weekend ahead of us and Wednesday has become the new Thursday. Um, I hope you're all having a great afternoon and excited to hear the latest on what is happening in the tech world, in the UAE and around the world. And we're going to be starting today's show by talking about the UAE because a rare blue moon will be in the sky on Saturday this weekend. Yes, indeed. A lot of exciting things are happening and it's a good week in general this week because obviously we do have off tomorrow and uh, Wednesday is the start of our weekend. But ladies and gentlemen, Apple is asking about the new iPhone 12 and asking its users to be careful with the MagSafe charger. Mm-hmm. Now, yesterday I did get my hands on the iPhone 12. Yeah. Did you get it? You guys should have seen how Omnia was so excited. <laughs> did I you did, get it? I didn't get it, but my friend had the new iPhone 12. I messed around with it a little bit. Yeah. But I do have a couple of comments on mm. it that we will get into in a little bit. But uh, with the new rare blue moon that we might see on Saturday... I'm really excited for just this week in general. Yes, indeed. Lots and lots is going to be in store, whether it was on the show or even this weekend. But today we're also going to be talking all about AI ethics, because as we get excited about the new developments that are happening in the tech world, we do need to keep in mind that there has to be a lot of ethical certainties when we're deploying any form of tech whether that was driverless cars or even robotics how can we ensure that our safety is still in place uh, when we're deploying this form of tech we're going to be talking all about ai ethics today with the ai ethics researcher at facebook mr hubert Etienne, who's going to be telling us all about the moral dilemmas that can be solved by using AI, as well as Facebook's uh, own methodology when it comes to dealing with AI software. How do they use AI to try and recognize misinformation, which has been a big topic uh, ever since the COVID-19 pandemic has become a part of our lives. Mm -hmm. But also, why is it important for organizations to take AI ethics into account? So lots and lots is going to be in store on the show today. Yes, indeed. We're very excited. excited. To talk with a researcher at Facebook. A lot of good news coming in today. So keep Pulse 95 locked and we'll be right back. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Bits and bytes do connect our world, ladies and gentlemen. But let's go to outer space and talk about how we in the UAE mm-hmm. are going to see a rare blue moon on Saturday, October the 31st, which is Halloween, by the way. Ooh. So it's a little bit <laughs> with the spooky season. Now, brace for a once-in-a-lifetime blue moon Halloween, and experts in the UAE has confirmed that the UAE will see the rare second full moon of this month, this Saturday. And ladies and gentlemen, only one full moon does appear in the sky every month. So a blue moon coming out and it being once every month, something crazy. And it does fall on Halloween. So uh, it's a little bit spooky. Yes, indeed. And very rarely does a second one come up within the same exact period. Now, in English, we tend to say something called, you know, once in a blue moon, which means it's very rare for something to happen. And this is definitely a very rare 
astronomical phenomena mm -hmm. and this moon is referred to as the blue moon however for those of you who are wondering the moon is not going to be looking blue so it won't be blue but it's called the blue moon and this month most parts of the world including the uae will also be seeing the second full moon so it's you can also see it in different parts around the world and the first full moon of the month was actually seen on the 2nd of october so the blue moon tends to appear once or twice every three years so this goes to to show how rare this phenomena is. Now, experts have been saying that the moon will not be turning blue, so you're not going to be seeing, you know, a blue moon up in the sky. But the different colors uh, of the moon mainly come from the impurities in the Earth's atmosphere, along with the angle that the moon uh, does show up in at the horizon. Now, Omni, we did disappoint a lot of people because we yeah. have been getting text messages <laughs> saying a blue moon, a yes. blue moon. And even uh, Hessa did text us in, and did, mm. shout out to Hessa, by the way. She did text us in saying, mm -hmm. oh my God, I can't wait to see this blue moon. But now, it's not, not going to be blue. You're, a, you'll still see a moon. You'll still see a full moon, but it won't be a blue moon. So when the moon is closest to the Earth, which is around 356,000 kilometers away, a supermoon does occur. The moon does move from apogee to perigee and vice versa every two weeks. Now, that is kind of a mm -hmm. astronomical terminology, but it does mean that there is moving from one side to another, and it does happen vice versa every two weeks. So in these type of time frame, we can see this blue moon phenomena. Yes, indeed. Now, a lot of you may be wondering, if it's not blue, why are we calling it the blue moon? Well, the reason is because it's a very strange phenomena to have two moons appearing in the same month. So it goes after the saying, once in a blue moon. But also because every time uh, certain researchers or even people who have seen it in the sky went ahead and tried to take a photo or stamp a photo of the moon amongst the clouds, sometimes the clouds and the moon would give you that typical feel that it looks blue but in reality it's not blue. Omnia, how many times were you in your car or anywhere and you saw the beautiful moon and you took out your pic your phone to take a picture and just looked like a dot. I was like just... a little white dot in the sky but with your eyes you can see it's beautiful. But when you take out your phone, it's a little white dot. I hate when that happens. I absolutely hate it because you, it's like it's like when you see a beautiful sunset, you want to capture it, and it looks I mean, at, very at nice in photos. Sunsets they do look nice yeah. in photos. When you have a nice full moon, they never turn out nice in photos unless you know what you're doing. I think our, our photographer or videographer knows how to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, let's go and talk about the iPhone 12 and how Apple is asking its new iPhone 12 users to be careful with the MagSafe charger. Mm -hmm. Now, before I jump into this, yesterday I did get my hands on the new iPhone mm -hmm. 12. Not the iPhone 12 Pro, the new iPhone 12. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at it, Omnia. It did give me a type of iPhone 5, iPhone 5S vibe. Mm -hmm. I liked it. In I liked the structure of in it? In the structure. Mm -hmm. I liked the feeling of it. It was very sturdy. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't like, mm -hmm. I don't know if the Pro is different, but what I didn't like, it does feel a little bit plastic. No way. Yeah, it didn't feel as heavy as this one. Maybe because I have the iPhone 12 Pro mm. Ma Max and it's 11. heavier. 11 Max and it's heavier. But this one feels more sturdier. That, it's probably also because that yes. one is a bit smaller in size. It's, it's, it's 6.1 inches. So it, okay. it, it is pretty it, pretty standard. And I was talking to him about the MagSafe charger. I was like, mm -hmm. so what, what do you think about the MagSafe charger? He's like, can you believe it or not? Mm -hmm. But I have a problem charging my phone. What? And I said, what do you mean? Well, he said, when I bought when I bought the iPhone 12, obviously it didn't mm -hmm. come with that outlet. So he's been charging it with his laptop computer. 
Oh God! Can you imagine that? Oh God! He's been charging, it. and when he that o- is when he really tr- bad because you're sending yeah. more power than the phone can handle. But, but when he tried to uh, order one from Apple, yeah, Apple was like, delivery is two to four weeks. Oh my God! So, so he's in type of a little uh, problem right now, and he- the problem is as well is that he ordered three more for his family members. Oh God! So he has four iPhones in his house, no, and they nothing all to charge with. they all use a laptop to charge their phone. You see, this is where Apple's common sense just does not make sense at all. <laughs> you don't put a charger in the box of mm. the iPhone, but yeah. how do you expect people to actually use mm. the phone? But now, a new warning is also coming out for the MagSafe magnet-based wireless charging mm-hmm. and accessory system. Because uh, according to a lot of information that has been released by Apple, the magnets in the system could actually cause a lot of damage to some of your favorite credit cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any case that would have your RFID chips or the magnetic strips in the credit cards and security badges attached to your phone and you go ahead and you put the magnetic charger on the phone the magnets it will will demagnetize and they will basically communicate with one another and ruin your credit cards so you got to be very careful when doing that now I don't know how many people do this because I know a lot of people who do this that they'll keep money a credit card their ID between their case and their phone they have a case attached to it. it is safer and some people even do get that case where it is attached to it yeah now it does show that you could have this problem and uh, the circular imprints that apple has been talking about and a lot of tech savvy people have been talking about these circular imprints my friend's iphone is about a week old and i've already seen these imprints mm. on his his case which obviously it doesn't look that pleasing for the eyes yeah so we are seeing so far a couple of problems when it does come to the new, new new iPhone 12, especially with that MagSafe charger. But my recommendation so far is don't jump the gun too quick. Don't buy the iPhone 12 yet. Mm. As someone who wants to buy the iPhone 12, don't buy it yet. Let's see what Apple does have to say. Because if you remember with the iPhone 6, and I was a victim of mm. the iPhone 6, my iPhone 6 did have problems and it did bend. Oh, God. I was I was one of the first people to get the iPhone 6, and I even got mine imported from the States. Mm. And mine did bend. And then I think because I got it from the states, there was no warranty on it. Anyways, uh, I couldn't I couldn't get a, a, a replacement for it, mm. so I did luck out on that. So always remember, ladies and gentlemen, when Apple kind of comes out with these new type of uh, inventions or innovational ideas, wait a little bit, see what the community is saying, see what researchers are saying, and see what Apple is saying in general, and then go and make your purchase. Absolutely, but if you did jump the gun and buy the iPhone 12, there are ways to go around at least minimizing the damage that you're going to have because of the MagSafe charger. One big tip is to make sure that you remove any credit card, uh, any any credit cards that you tend to have in the case right before you charge your phone. Just keep them either on your in your pocket or just in your wallet. It's not safe, honestly, to have it even on the behind of your phone because if you if you're going to lose your phone, you're also going to be using uh, losing your credit card. So make sure that you try and keep any cards that have any magnetic strips not attached to the phone at least while it's charging let us know what has been your experience with the iphone 12 if you went ahead and bought it yourself text us in at 4215 do it to or sign into our dms at pulse 95 radio but coming up we're talking all about ai ethics with an ai ethics researcher at facebook very interesting conversation coming up so keep pulse 95 locked and we'll be right back you're listening to pulse 95 pulse 95 this is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al Saleh and Hany Balkis. 
AI has demonstrated its full potential in science and technology. We've used it for gathering and analyzing data, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic in healthcare facilities. But we've also seen its impact when it comes to using it in smart cities as well as autonomous vehicles. But AI can also have some negative sides that if we don't make sure that we control its power and use ethics to make sure that it is being used in the legitimate ways, it could turn against us. Joining us today is AI ethics researcher at Facebook, Mr. Hubert Etienne, who's going to be telling us all about the difference between AI ethics and law. Welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Hubert. Hi, thank you. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Now, let's kick start off this conversation by asking you, what is AI ethics and how is it different from the law? Sure. So um, if you actually want to understand what is AI ethics, that is it's first important like to understand what actually ethics is mm. and to give you a very short but still accurate definition i'd say ethics is the discipline philosophy that tends to answer the question what should i do mm. that's no more complicated than that pretty simple how should i do what should i do and to answer these questions so philosopher actually builds uh, different systems based on more values and more obligations that actually they try to um, apply to practical situations in order to make the right decision so mm -hmm. it's all about making the right decision for given situations. And once we understand that, uh, mm -hmm. we also realize that in our daily life, we don't all face the same moral dilemmas. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a doctor, you will be facing much more often uh, cases with euthanasia. So patients asking you to help them uh, ending their life. And mm -hmm. you have the chance to wonder the question, um, is it morally, am I morally, um, uh, legitimate mm -hmm. to uh, enable somebody to make such decision or not. So these are the questions that a doctor may face. Mm. But if you're, let's say, a financial trader, mm. uh, you may face other questions, such as, uh, should I bet against my own country currency to make profits? Mm. So it's very different questions and ethical dilemma you may face in the end. Mm. And that's the reason why philosopher uh, actually came up with different subcategories of ethics, mm. what we call applied ethics which gather all these questions that you may ask for a specific field of activity, uh, like business ethics, bioethics, animal ethics, um, and this is the case of AI ethics. Mm -hmm. So just to summarize quickly, mm -hmm. uh, the basic idea is that um, we can say AI ethics is the philosophical discipline, mm -hmm. which tend to study the ethical implication uh, related to the development of AI technologies. Mm -hmm. So recognizing the moral obligations in here, and playing here as well as the appropriate trade-off between the values intention. Mm -hmm. Now, we, do, we tend to see a lot of countries uh, working on setting certain laws to make sure that AI is not uh, basically posing any danger on the lives of many. So in your opinion, what are some ethical concerns about artificial intelligence and what are some guidelines, uh, some basic guidelines that many countries have set to make sure that artificial intelligence is being used for good and nothing else but that? Sure. Um, so one country which has been, uh, I mean, one country, the European Union has been working quite a lot on, on this. Mm. Uh, they called uh, a, a group of high, um, high level experts on AI to produce okay. ethical guidelines for trustworthy AI. And uh, this is an interesting point because this is actually between uh, regulation and ethics. Mm. So this group just, want, uh, like the purpose of this group was to formulate uh, guidelines mm -hmm. that would be ethical guidelines. But in the same time, these guidelines are supposed to be the foundation for an upcoming regulation coming in December in Europe. Mm. 
Mm. So you are very much at the intersection between these two here. Mm, okay. Now, uh, Facebook does have a special ethics team to prevent bias in its AI software. But how are these ethics deployed in the recognition of misinformation on its platforms? So um, we do have an, uh, a team in, in this direction. Mm -hmm. uh, it's part of what we call Responsible AI uh, Project within Facebook. Mm -hmm. And they are basically developing new solutions, uh, both theoretical solutions and practical solutions. Uh, because once you have the theory, you also need to implement it mm. as a solution. Mm. And uh, they are working as a consulting uh, as a consulting team for the different services provided by Facebook. Mm -hmm. Because the biases you may have um, in a um, uh, in a job uh, in a job recommendation algorithm, for instance, may not be the same ones you will have for uh, pattern mm. recognition in uh, auto tagging features, for instance. Mm. Now, can it uh, can the AI recognize sarcasm, irony, humor? Because that those are type of tricky things to understand can it recognize those things uh absolutely it's extremely tricky mm. uh even for humans sometimes mm. yes <laughs> of course uh so yeah it's it's one of the biggest challenge for algorithms today uh especially when when you're addressing hate uh, online hate when you're addressing mm. misinformation and when you have on the one hand uh on the one side a caption and mm. on the other side uh, a picture mm. sometimes the caption itself uh, is not very hateful the picture is not either but the combination of the two is actually hateful or mis misleading. I so love that's that one of the <laughs> that's one of the main uh, challenges we have today. But we made some significant improvement in the last version of our misinformation uh, classifier on Facebook mm -hmm. uh, on this. So we're doing kind of multimodal understanding, mm -hmm. which basically try to put mm -hmm. all the signals you receive mm -hmm. uh, in the same uh, in the same sphere, mm -hmm. and then analyze it from here. Mm -hmm. Now, Hubert, I have a question. Since we do know that Facebook does own Instagram, is this AI kind of implemented on Instagram as well? Uh, so, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. the, the, the systems we have on Facebook are also on Instagram. So the policies differ, but um, uh, for misinformation, for instance, we have joint efforts between mm -hmm. the, two, the two companies in that yeah. direction. Absolutely. Amazing. Coming up on Future Talk, we're going to be diving a little deeper into how can we manage online hate by using artificial intelligence on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms. But also, how has artificial intelligence helped medical care professionals to basically solve a lot of the moral dilemmas that they have been faced with during the COVID-19 pandemic? If you have any questions for Hubert, make sure you send them in at 4215-DO-IT-IS-A-LOT or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Amial Saleh and Hany Balkis. During the COVID-19 pandemic, many of us found ourselves glued to our computer screens, either the computer screen or our phones, and all we did was scroll aimlessly on social media platforms. But with that, a lot of people were using their boredom to basically try and spread either misinformation or hatred online, whether it was in the comments section or even if it was on their newsfeed. But what have different social media platforms, mainly Instagram and Facebook, done to combat that? Joining us today is AI Ethics Research at Facebook, Mr. Hubert Etienne, who's going to be telling us all about the different methods that artificial intelligence has been providing to help make social media platforms a much more positive space mm. for everyone. Welcome to the show, Mr. Hubert. Thank you. Yes. Now, uh, I want to ask how we can use AI to stop the spread of misinformation. Sure. So, um, 
I'll explain you how it works at Facebook because AI is at the very heart of our strategy, both at Facebook and Instagram, to mm. address misinformation. Mm -hmm. But before, perhaps just one point on the difference that we, we found in misinformation with the COVID-19 um, thing. Mm. that we used to misinformation used to be a big issue for uh, platforms like since a long time mm. but the, the very novelty here with the COVID is that we have not only an increase uh, in the volume of misinformation but also new kind of misinformation with potential um, physical harm mm. so when you see a claim saying drink bleach and it's going yes. to kill your COVID <laughs> so <laughs> it's much more dangerous we also had look a lot of scams there are uh, many remedies magical remedies to COVID-19 all of a sudden all <laughs> over Facebook <laughs> Absolutely. And we need to protect the community against that, definitely. Mm -hmm. So um, quickly, um, the, the, the whole process of addressing misinformation at Facebook and Instagram implies three main steps. Mm -hmm. The first one is detection. Mm -hmm. So here we use AI algorithms uh, to leverage a great number of signals, including user reports, to identify the pieces of content most likely to contain false news. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. Second one is review process. So mm -hmm. then independent third-party fact-checkers who mm -hmm. are journalists review individually these contents and when they say that a content contains a false claim false claim sorry mm. they have to provide an evidence debunking the news mm. that's the review process so the, re human. the review is yes. done by humans so the collection Absolutely. is by ai and the review is with humans mm. and then you have a third uh, a third step which is scaling up which is also performed by ai Mm. Uh, basically, when an action is taken on a content, like, mm. for instance, one content is removed, mm -hmm. we use an algorithm which is called SimSearchNets, which is in-house algorithm at Facebook, mm -hmm. which mission is to identify all the near copies of this content and take the same action on them, mm -hmm. so that fact-checkers do not have to debunk the same time, uh, several times the same misinformation. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. So it's basically a collaboration between artificial intelligence and human beings mm -hmm. to be able to provide a very fair, at least, uh, process when it comes to debunking such myths about COVID-19. Absolutely. Now, it, do it does seem that when we do talk about AI in general, we talk about the future of the job market and how AI mm -hmm. could affect jobs. But it does seem and it does show that AI and humans are working together. And also, I want to talk about how it does give fairness to the user that mm -hmm. AI does detect these type of uh, misinformation. It's not sure whether or not it is misinformation, True. but it does go to the human for the review. So that way I can see that it is a fair, it's a fair game. I hope so. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fair game. Um, but also when it comes to using artificial intelligence, we tend to see it uh, also deployed in the way that different social media platforms are trying to fight online hate. So there were many features, especially during the past few months during lockdown, that were released uh, by Instagram to help stop cyberbullying and online hate that tends to be found uh, on the com in the comments section or even in some news feeds. So can you tell us a little bit about how does artificial intelligence pick up on online hate that is done, especially if the human um, content creators, let's say, are using not very direct language. So they're using sarcasm or irony to try and spread online hate. How can artificial intelligence pick up on these uh, different trends? Sure. So just the same way we use AI to detect false information, we also use this same kind of classifiers to mm. detect hate speech and bullying. And so basically at the beginning, you have a very little historical data, so it's mm -hmm. pretty bad. But the more data you have, uh, the more you can train them and the, the better they become. So that's why the algorithms we have today are much better than what they used to be two or three years ago. Mm. And this is why they tend to know 
uh, get a grasp of what irony could be or sarcasm. Mm. And today we, we actually have quite good results in detecting hate speech because uh, for Facebook, at least, 99, 90%, sorry, not yet 99, mm -hmm. 90% of hate speech removed by the platform is actually detected by algorithms before even, uh, users even report it. Mm. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned that you use data to train this artificial intelligence because a lot of users actually are very concerned about the data collection. So if this information is being used to train artificial intelligence, does that mean that users' information is not private anymore? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. No, obviously, uh, Facebook complies with all regulations, mm -hmm. uh, but you, you, know, you don't need to keep the data to train the algorithm. Mm -hmm. Once the algorithm is trained, you, you don't need to keep the data anymore. So you can totally have a great uh, uh, algorithm without keeping all this data afterwards. Okay, mm. interesting to know. So people's privacies are not being compromised. It's very important. That <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> privacy is very important. And I, and I like the approach Facebook does have on this topic. And um, with the pandemic, as you've mentioned, Ubert, it is very important misinformation because this isn't any misinformation that won't harm human beings. It will harm a lot of people because as you did mention, the bleach, the home remedies, the cream, drink the, hot water, the essence, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense. But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, a lot of people do go to desperate things, desperate times called for desperate measures, and people do go for the extreme. So having this AI software, it's just amazing how I can see Facebook tackling this problem. I definitely agree with Hani on that end. Um, but whenever we're also talking about artificial intelligence, and since you've mentioned the coronavirus, uh, one application of AI ethics has been in the way doctors and healthcare professionals have been using AI to help basically manage some of the dilemmas that they were facing, especially in terms of shortages. So mm. can you tell us a little bit about uh, how has artificial intelligence helped those healthcare professionals in, let's say, the way they allocate uh, beds for patients? Sure. So um, there were actually a couple of collaborations between Facebook AI and different labs in NYU and Cornell, especially in, uh, in the US, mm -hmm. to develop systems that could permit uh, to have better information for uh, healthcare institutions. Mm -hmm. So as you said, the main question is shortage. So mm -hmm. Basically, you have medical staff with limited, uh, limited resources mm -hmm. and limited information to um, take care of a great uh, number of people uh, in need. And they often face, so when they don't have enough masks or test kits or artificial ventilators or resuscitation beds or even human resources, like mm. the number of nurses and doctors, uh, they often face what we call a moral dilemma mm. uh, within which they have to allocate beds to a surplus number of pe people. Mm. To give you an example of that, uh, you can be in, picture yourself as a nurse in a hospital and question, um, asking you that question, would you refuse an available bed, recession bed, to a patient with 50% chances of surviving mm. when paramedics announce you that they're coming with three new, three new patients, all having 80% chances of surviving? Oh, God. Mm. And <laughs> let me give you a second one, because I like this. Uh, would you rather uh, allocate a bed to somebody with 95% chances of survival, but who will occupy it for six weeks versus an average of three weeks for others? Oh, God. I, you see, this is exactly why I am not in the healthcare industry. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be clear. Basically, algorithms alone cannot and should not insist on that. Uh, um, they do censoring these questions because mm. that calls for some human yeah. responsible choice and not an algorithmic one. However, what can AI do is to help you model the spread of the outbreak mm. so you can actually be able to predict when and where the next peak of the pandemic will hit. And so in advance, you can try to best manage the resources you have between hospitals, 
just moving resources from an hospital to another one in order to avoid these kind of situations. Mm -hmm. So another mm -hmm. thing you can do mm -hmm. yes, is just to analyze clinical data, um, so patients' data, mm -hmm. all anonymized, of course, mm -hmm. uh, and predict at the hospital level just the number, total number of patients whose condition is likely to improve or worsen so you can best manage the number of beds that might be free in like in the next few hours or days and uh, know if you need more or less. Mm -hmm. So the whole question is not to make de decisions at the patient level, but to best manage the limited resources you have, not to take this decision mm -hmm. in, in the first place. Now, now uh, the AI that is being used with Facebook to counter misinformation, does it use machine learning as well? Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. Mm, amazing, amazing. Uh, when, when we talk about AI, we talk about machine learning usually. Yeah, mm. okay. Just amazing. Okay, so basically we're trying to use artificial intelligence in hospitals to prevent a disaster before it even happens by trying to track and predict when will the next peak of COVID-19 hit. Lots and lots is still in store right here on Future Talk because coming up we're talking all about robot rights. Just like we want AI to take care of our rights, we have to treat them in a very equal manner as well. If you have any questions for Mr. Hubert, make sure you send them in at Pulse95 Radio on Instagram and our text lines are open for 215 do or it's a lot. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. This is Pulse95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hany Balkis. You know, when we expect people to treat us well, we have to be ready to treat people well as well. Wow, so many wells in one sentence. Um, but this also is implemented on artificial intelligence and robotics. Whenever we want to make sure that they are treating us with fairness, they are treating us without necessarily causing any harm, we need to ensure that we are practicing the same AI etiquette with them as well. Mm -hmm. Joining us today is AI ethics researcher at Facebook, Hubert Etienne, who's been enlightening us about the different ways artificial intelligence has been helping out in managing online hate and misinformation on both Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to the show once again, Hubert. Yeah, now uh, we're going to be talking about one of the primary concerns that people do have with AI, and it is future loss of jobs. Now, should we strive to fully develop and integrate AI into society, even if it does mean many people will lose their jobs? So, that's you there. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm here. So yeah, I think to be honest, I think uh, beside a few other exceptions like supermarket cashiers or taxi drivers, mm -hmm. nobody can really know which kind of jobs will be replaced and which ones will be created. So, uh, I feel we'll have to wait. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I'm not personally. I'm not that concerned about the, the you know the balance between the the, the, the jobs we lose and the, the jobs that will be created. Mm -hmm. I'm more concerned about the types of new jobs that will appear and the trade-off between those that will disappear and those that will uh, be created. Okay, so when we're talking about types of jobs that will be created, in your opinion, what are some of the major ones that we should expect to join the job market? So one obvious one I can tell you is uh, AI ethicists. Okay. <laughs> and I encourage everyone to join this path. Um, no, I think there'll also be a lot of uh, opportunities around uh, the new understanding of human behavior mm. uh, because algorithms are good. Uh, we have a lot of people working on algorithms and making them more efficient today, but it's all about also understanding the data. Mm -hmm. So I think social scientists have a lot to, a lot to play here. Absolutely. Um, now, 
Whenever mm. we're talking about uh, having AI treat us well, uh, a lot of people tend to think that since artificial intelligence and robotics don't have emotions, that we can treat them in any way, shape or form. But in your opinion, how should we be treating artificial intelligence and do robots or AI have any rights? Oh, that's a big question. I'm happy you, you asked this one because one of the most interesting surely in AI ethics. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I'm sure if you ask the auditors, most of them would find very cruel to torture a dog for no reason, and they would see no issue with the fact of hitting a computer or vacuum robot, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and because at the end of the day, I mean, it's not a life, so what would you care? Mm. And in the same time, um, perhaps we, we're not focusing on the right thing when we focus on the emotion or the suffering that the robot ca- can actually experience, mm-hmm. but more about how we feel about that ourselves. Mm. And we've seen interesting cases where actually uh, US soldiers were crying when the demise of robots exploded on the bomb. So they were extremely emotionally engaged with these robots, although they knew there were no consciousness, no capacity to suffer, not even alive. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like we do have an authentic empathy towards this uh, these robots, and that's something we should definitely uh, dig uh, dig around. It puts a lot of things into perception. Now, soon enough, I do believe in the next five years. Uh, this is just an uneducated guess, but in the next five years, AI and robots in general will be a big part of our lives. And we can already see it with a lot of big tech companies putting uh, AI and robots in our households, starting with that. So uh, what do you think in the next five years? Where does AI and robotics stand? Ooh, five years, I have no idea what will happen in five years. Perhaps <laughs> we're going to be on the moon. That, that's a good enough <laughs> but, question, yeah. But sure, uh, I think in two years, uh, like in two years, many things will change, I, I hope. I hope for AI ethics also, not only for AI, mm. but uh, yes, I also I also think that uh, we'll have a lot of IoT pretty much everywhere around us. Mm. Um, most of the data will be monitored, and so hopefully in the hopefully in a desirable way and mm. responsible way. Absolutely, thank you so much, Hubert Etienne, for joining us today, AI ethics researcher at Facebook. It's been such an interesting conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. It is Wednesday. It is Wednesday. So, but, but this week, Wednesday means Thursday because yes. tomorrow is the Prophet Muhammad's birthday. So, you know what time it is. It is time for the halftime show with Ahmed Duri. It's going to be kicking kicking off in just a few moments. But we do want to remind you that this weekend is going to be a long weekend. But mm. it's also a weekend where you can grab some cash because... Yes. Uh, Big House is coming in with the, the Saturday, Saturday Vibes yes. on Saturday from 6 to 7 p.m. And what can they win, honey? They can win a lot of things, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you can win uh, cash prizes, uh, prizes in general. Anything you could think of would be here, right or here on the show, the Saturday Vibe with Big House. But it is sponsored by Bencina Pharmacy, 06 Mall, Spicy and Ginger Restaurant, and the Sheraton Sharjah Beach Resort and Spa. So, so there do, are so many prizes to grab. Yes, yeah, so do expect from these four places a prize from them. Now, the past couple of weeks, we've been seeing a lot of nice talents on the Saturday Vibe, and I've, I personally have been tuning in. It is from 6 to 7 p.m. every Saturday. Yes, indeed. So if you have any talent that you would like the world to hear, or if you want to demonstrate it, make sure you go ahead and tune in on Saturday, Pulse95 mm-hmm. from 6 to 7 p.m. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.